Welcome to another Club Sports 10-Bit More podcast. And I'm really delighted today to catch up with a friend and a colleague from many years ago with Canada Soccer, Sylvie Bellevue, who is now with McGill University as a senior advisor. So welcome, Sylvie. It's great to catch up after so many years. Can you quickly just describe your childhood sporting experience? Um, well, first and foremost, play or games was part of my life from the very beginning. And I don't even remember how old I was when I started to play because we were just doing that playing. So it was a family. It was in our environment. It was unstructured, right? We go out, play. And, and then even if it was raining, um, playing was valued more than the objects in the house. Yeah. Um, so if we were to play little hockey with little sticks, right, the, between two doors, the piece of furniture was was nothing. Playing was, and I, I repeated with an example, like playing was was the uh, what was valued. The risk, uh, really, no one was trying to protect us. I don't think we were in danger, so I don't think they had to protect us. So we played inside, outside, creating new games. So that's how I started movement, and from moving unstructured at home then I wanted to do more because I felt so comfortable, you know, um, perform, I'll, I'll call it performing, but it's not performing. It's really playing the game was, was uh, feeling, made, made me feel good. But making up your own games as well as following other more organized games. Yes. Well, at some point I wanted to get into a structured environment. So my brother was playing high hockey. I was the spectator in the stands. The family was going to support him. And, and in those days, now you need to go back like a few decades. Um, there was very, very few organized sports for girls. And so I was that little girl who saw the brother play high hockey and he was playing soccer in the summertime. In those days, Sports uh, were uh, were not playing um, all year play, right? It was an all year league games or camps. It was season, season yeah. right? So hockey was the winter, and then in the summer he was playing uh, soccer. Um, I think I would have picked up anything structured because I was a sport girl. Uh, but soccer was was the the sport that was available for girls, and it started. It really started when I I was asking my mom, "Can you sign me on something?" And soccer seemed to be the option. Um, so was the attraction of playing a team sport as well, rather than doing an indi individual sport? And, and and I'm not sure. I'm not sure now. You know, I maybe I would have gone play tennis if tennis had been offered. So it's a matter of what was accessible at that time. Yeah. And uh, but I think I'm a team sport person. I love um, you know. Uh, the, the 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 environment having having uh, teammates and all of that so yeah so soccer was the one that was accessible and uh, I just you know I wasn't good at it because you know if you play games in the backyard in those days in Canada from a Quebec Canadian born that wasn't the game we played hockey but it was transferable yeah. right transferring your skill set to hockey soccer in terms so of how organized was soccer then and how competitive compared to obviously today this COVID has given us a break. Um, hopefully we'll reset. Oh, uh, interesting, because I was part of all the beginnings of the, uh, the structured environment all the way to the national championship. When I started, there was nothing but a team you play on in a league within your club or your, your municipality. Then I was hoping that we'd go play a provincial championship. So soon after I started playing, um, we're talking about one or two years, um, there was a provincial championship organized for girls, which was organized for boys for many years before that. 
Um, so I've lived the first provincial championship. And guess what? When we won, only after we won, we find out that we go to we were going to go play in Toronto. And that was the Eastern Championship in those days. Yeah. So we ended up going to Toronto. Uh, we won Eastern Championship. And then only when we were receiving our medals, we we're being told we're going to nationals. So living success, and I know I call it success. I call it celebrating something. Makes you feel good about your sport and you go, wow, I can go even further now. What's Feed next? And not, yes. Yeah. And then you're dreaming of something else. So, and at, in those days, the national team was not yet implemented. So it didn't exist. Yeah. Olympic Games, name it, any major events was not at the time officialized for women's soccer. So winning a national championship was actually the end of the road. Yeah. And I did that twice in my career. So playing, you know, getting into soccer, staying in soccer was because I was able to push myself, develop, test myself at another level. I'll go all the way to what was at that time, you know, the end of or the sum, the sum, sum, or you say like, like summit, like the, 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 the pinnacle, the pinnacle of the yes. pathway at that time. Yeah. So going on from that then, because obviously we see lots of, girls take up sport and go through to college. What drew you to coaching? Lack of opportunity. And I say that's the end. You know what saying it is the end for a woman after college or university is sad because that doesn't mean they want to bring their career to an end. Maybe they would want something else. But so in those days, same thing happened to me. I, I moved from this, we called it junior midget, like hockey, right? So at under 18, moving into the senior rank, this competitive team that had won two national championships, won to the Eastern, that was still Eastern championship. We were successful. But we were a team of, let's say we had 18, 16, 18 players. Get, getting onto the senior age group, some started to go uh, work, um, studies, and we lost players. But we didn't have enough um, in the whole system. There was not enough elite athlete to go pick up another one and then fill the team and continue to play. So I stopped. And, and I don't. I didn't stop by choice. I stopped because the team folded. Yeah. And I was, you know what? You build passion. You go all the way, you, you develop as an athlete, you celebrate something, um, in this case, national championship, and then stops suddenly. Um, so I was invited to help the coach. And I was pretty young. Like I had played with half of the team, right? And I came to help goalkeeper. Yeah. And in those days, we were very isolated. A coach would be alone coaching. Like you wouldn't have assistant coaches or it was a a, a, one, a, a role that you played on your own. Mm. Um, so coming in as a volunteer, someone who was passionate, was helpful. But halfway through the season, um, the head coach had to leave with an opportunity to go and work in another province of Canada. So the, the, leaving the team meant to find a replacement and halfway through the season, not easy to find a coach that's free, right? They all, they all have teams or who want to take two teams. You know, the, those are volunteer, like purely volunteer, zero dollars. Yeah. So that I was a choice. I was, I'm not sure I was a choice, but um, this, this was a way to continue the season. And then we were, yeah. And that's how I got to coaching. I questioned like it was, uh, it, it went well. 
But then the year after, it really was because of the technical director saying, you know what, you did well, come back. Because I wasn't sure I had the skill set to come back. I was like, okay, I did it, but really, I'm, you know, I'm not good at it. But you don't need to be good at it. You just need to know that you can develop in it. Yeah, um, I've spoken to a lot of coaches, especially grassroots coaches, um, because we all face that adversity when we start out. And quite often, like players, you'll see lots of coaches leave the game. And the one thing, and even on my own career, I look back, I had someone there to say I, I was doing well. Then I had that support. And then maybe that's what's really needed at that grassroots level is more mentors to identify those who have the skill set. Yeah. John, allow me to say, I, I, could, I have a metaphor say it's like a parachute. You wouldn't throw off a plane if you didn't have a parachute, right? The parachute is outside of you not inside you. It's not only your desire, your ability to say, ah, I'm resilient, I'm confident, I'm competent. It's only that. It's not coming from inside. First, it's coming from outside. I wouldn't jump again if I didn't have the parachute. Those parachutes were all my mentors or whoever was the leaders of the organization who said, we believe in you. We're there. I see so many coaches who come in by themselves and put out on a field with a bag of balls and 10 kids and 20 parents and they're left alone. And that's why we lose coaches because there's not that parachute there. Mm, totally. Yeah. And you know what? Knowing that now as, as coach educator and my intent anyway was to always support coaches. You may fail in evaluation, but at the end of the day, you've got so much that you've developed already. So many like different skill set at a certain level. We don't want to lose. Yeah. We don't want to lose these people and all the skill set that they've, you know, up to there. Yes, pushing. Yeah, I think that's one of the roles. I mean, even with my mental skills that I do and as technical directors, one of our roles is to sort of try and make ourselves redundant, to empower other people so they can grow and they may assume our positions. But if we're in fear of that, then we're not going to develop anyone. Yeah. So quickly going on, what would you say, you know, a varied experience, obviously coaching the national team as well. What would you say is your proudest moment in sport? Well, I find it hard to find a one moment. Yeah. I think it's several moments, but here they are. When with time, you meet an athlete that you've coached and you realize that you've had an impact. Yeah. We often don't know at that moment how much you may have impacted someone's life. But when you meet them again, either they've become coaches themselves or they're into education and it doesn't matter where they go but when you know that what they're doing is from where they come from believe in themselves uh, I think that's what made every time it had an impact on how I felt is when I knew I made a difference in someone's life so the intangible benefits of empowering someone more than the accolades and the rewards of winning competitions Mm. well totally Yeah. yeah So also then, what what would have been the most challenging aspect of your coaching career? I think I'll see the support. You know, we say, at the beginning, I said it it was a very one-person role. I was taping Henkel. I was filling the the game sheet. I was collecting it after doing the game speech, the the tactical plan. We did everything great because I'd become half of a... uh, you know, like taping ankles, for example, or treating injuries. You know, we were doing it all. It was when I, I grew up coaching a young boys team back home many years ago in England. You were given that team and you 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 sink or swim. 
Totally. And and I don't think that today everyone is in a situation where we're so uh, a rich environment of people. Sport has become so uh, specialized that you need you need the the specialty of different people, especially at the national team level. And and if I look back, you know, having a team to achieve a goal would have been great. I think that was challenging to be so few around a team with uh, such a challenge. So you mean a coaching team as well, not just the players? In those days, we talk about a coach and an assistant coach, no video to support, no technology, uh, even like getting a a, a cassette, like those old way of of taping games was a challenge, you know, trying to get the information. So so we were five, we were with the head of delegation five on the staff we're looking today in soccer team at the national level it's 14 and you know up to 18 people traveling with the team so it's totally different and it's another skill set right if you have a team of uh, 14 18 people on your staff people management because becomes another skill set but we were at a at a moment where i i would have liked to have a collective um uh, minds around me to surround yourself with the best in order to achieve that goal together and not be, you know, it's not my goal. It's not my goal in a team, like the players goals, but it's a whole country's goal. Like that, that collective, you know, support, I think. So so bringing in in that team today, obviously that brings different challenges from coaching when we started out. So, so now it's about, like you say, leadership and man management and respecting other people's views as well. So if you've got um, someone doing game analysis, you, you shouldn't be questioning their analysis. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, but, and that brings in the listening skills, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and truly listening and, and maybe diversity, you know, unless you surround yourself with people who think that your way. But I believe in diversity as well, getting different people with different expertise and, and then bringing that together. So being open-minded enough to accept others' views and perceptions. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Obviously, we've come from another generation and sports psychology would have been a pump up teacup at the wall. How important do you feel the mental side of sport was in your development as a coach and as, as an athlete? In my days, I don't think we talked about it. it we yeah. no, and and I would bring it up now in coach education. I, I think we miss talking about that mental side for coaches. Yeah. You know, I think we'd speak about it. We we are becoming more conscious of the details of mental skills for athletes. We're better at structuring the environment. I said there's the unstructured, unmediated versus mediated. You know, when yeah. when you um, you can control it, you can teach it. Uh, but I think in our days, it wasn't something we talked about. You know, uh, but was it developed? Probably because it's, it's you're an athlete at all, in all aspects. You know, the social, um, social, emotional, mental, yeah. and the physical, and it, it's all part of the human, right? Was I setting goal for myself? Probably. Was I doing visualization? I say yes. I can give some very tangible example of changing my behavior as a handball goalkeeper, because I was playing team handball in the wintertime and how I changed my behavior facing a certain situation in the game only by visualization. And, and, and this happened right in the game without practicing. So I believe in that. 
And uh, but although we did it, no one said to me, "Oh, you did visualization." I learned later that this was happening, right? So I think now we're more conscious of it. Um, and but but still has to be a balance, you know, where we we can't overemphasize the mental because then it, pressure might take over. We need to balance the technical, tactical. To me, that like that what makes sense is is balance. I think that comes back to like you say working in a team environment now with coaches as a mental skills coach i can't be advocating that a player does x and the physical trainers saying they do y so again that collaboration is really key and also i know i got asked recently to help a team with mental skills and i'm like i need to go through the coach they wanted me to go directly to players so the use of those mental skills of a coach is really key because again body language is going to impact the player's self-talk and mm -hmm. I there's so much missing in terms of how coaches present themselves to the athletes. The athlete will see their actions and perceive that negatively on themselves. So, so the, and the depth of understanding of mental skills now need experts like yourself mm -hmm. and, and those people who study in the area. When, as a coach, I have to be humble, but you're right. Um, I need to understand all parts of um, what's needed in, in the athlete's development because I reflect part of that. I am a model. And I am communicating with them. You know, when uh, when we speak to um, coaches' skill set, what are the most important? What's first and foremost is communication. But communication is not only verbal. Yeah. And when it is verbal, how much does it affect versus value what you're doing based on age and stage as well? Like if this, you know, there's there's more to it. But it has become complex, and and that's why the multidisciplinary team has become essential, I think, if we want quality, if we want the best quality. Absolutely. So like you say, you used to practice visualization. If you could, what would be the most important mental skill for you to impart on athletes? Oh, my God. I, you know what? I think it's personal. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the athletes coming in. If you come from a baggage where you've been um, – devalued and you need to rebuild your your self-talk as an example your confidence in in what you do then i think then there's a mental skill that applies to that and you might be someone who is highly um lives stress and anxiety uh then we would address another skill set you i i i, 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 I like that because it really illustrates you know like i say i think some people are just giving a menu of mental skills to do you know i've i've seen people who would want to teach goal setting in a classroom environment and i really think that's challenging you can't do that the, the only way to do visualization is with each individual because we bring individual um experiences to our own images mm. you know and that comes that comes back from the uh, learner choice but i see at the very beginning you might introduce a few of them based on age again um and so they know that it exists yeah. But as they grow, I think it should be based on the where they're at in their development and who they are. Um, and and it, what's interesting in that is it, it's becoming complex because us as coaches of teams, we've always addressed the needs based on a group and not based on the individuals. And I think the challenge for us is to go and look at every individual that compose your team. Yeah. And how do we service that? You know, like it's a challenge. But it's not impossible if we, you know, first is bring it to level of consciousness. Maybe I need to look at individuals 
and see what I can do from them based on their needs. Yeah, I think that that really reflects, like I say, when we started, I no longer coached soccer. I coached players. Mm. Yet when I started out as a coach, I certainly, I didn't coach players. I was trying to get my ideas about the game over to the players. And I think that's one of the key pieces now for understanding is that we really need to coach our athletes. And in order to do that, we need to understand each individual, like you say. Yeah. Um, so quickly- take a moment, to, John, just to say, um, you know what, if we look at the bigger picture, hopefully I don't teach visualization to kids. Yeah. Their mental part will be, do they have fun? Yeah. Do they enjoy to me, that's the part that we want to develop at first, right? There is a major message that we can yeah. uh, convey and continue to convey so that high perform- performance and pressure at the age of seven is removed from the game, yeah. right? I had a chance to love what I was doing before I wanted to go into, you know, more structured and from structured to a higher performance, you know, you love the game to start with, yeah. yeah. See, I don't, I, I use, I'll be honest, I use visualization with youngsters, but they don't know I'm using it. So I'll paint the picture that they develop oh. within their own mindset and then attach their meaning to my pictures. Yeah, it's like story, using stories or their own yeah. heroes. Oh, yeah, if you consider that as being visualization, totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. To move into to coaching then, what would you say would be the three most important qualities for an effective coach? I'll, I'll start with the... Uh, the whole combination of when you're a coach, you've got considering everyone around you. So establish trust. And that ties in with the word communication that I mentioned earlier at any level. Yeah. Uh, and that considers like your athletes, but even at a younger age, parents around you. If you establish trust, then there's to me, that's the, the, the ground rules for uh, setting up a great environment to work in. And that ties in with people management. And then my last one would be connecting with communication. Your knowledge, uh, you know, you do need professional knowledge. Uh, It's not easy when I say that because I'm a professional coach in a sense that it's been my life, my career. But I think of the coaches who are there to support their child. And it's not their full-time job. But do you know a little bit about the game? Or do you surround yourself with or you could be the best and I, that would apply at any level. Uh, am I open, like the open mind where I can bring in the good people and listen to them? But I want to bring one more for coaches. I don't know if we're more in a world of perfectionism, but I've been told when I was at, at, on the national, when I moved from assistant coach to head coach, one person, do the best you can. You know, jumping into a role, a new territory, you know you need a skill sets, new sets of rules. Am I going to be able to play the game is is yeah, at first you, you could doubt and question. And I was told if you always do the best that you can with the tools that you have at that moment, then you will not regret. And when I moved on as a coach, I can always go back and, and look at how much I've learned since then, since let's say the like specific example of the national team, I continue to evolve. So of course, when I look back, you know why I don't have regrets? Because I come back with that sentence. Do the best that you can with what you've got in that moment. And that's called accepting, the acceptation of who you are at that time. And I continue to be perfectionist, but I don't dwell on it. I've I've moved on, continue to learn. That that makes me celebrate, continue to evolve and and do the best I can all the time. And I think that's one of of the key qualities. 
that open mind to want to learn more. We still, we still see lots of coaches will tell you what they've done, but it's more about what you're going to do. So that open mind, I still don't know enough. Um, another question I've got is a key message that you would wish to share. To, I mean, we're coming through COVID and I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to reset and really align how much sport is important over the, the competitive element. So what is the message that you would want to share to parents of aspiring children? Um, I think my first big message would be give them time to step back in those shoes and then, you know, feel comfortable in those shoes again. Give them, you know, give them time for finding their flow, if we can call it a flow, in, in passion, in reconnecting mechanically with the sport. We've all been in different conditions, situations, affected emotionally differently. Uh, so we can't expect that going back is actually starting from where we ended. And that's fine. I believe that we're gonna, the sport is going to be back, functioning as it did before. But the human side of it needs time to, ca- to catch up that little stop. Celebrate it as opposed to, but don't expect too much at the very beginning. Yeah, and that's a big concern I have. I'm just working with programs here that some of the coaches are going to go straight to that back to that competitive element, push the children beyond and burn them out. And I, I just wish that we hope that we come back with a sense of fun and enjoyment to catch up with where we were. And I don't know if you've got a different perspective, but I ask this of everyone. If you had a magic wand, what would you change in sport? You know, I, I would make sport available for everyone. So we're talking about equal opportunities. I shouldn't need to be in a high economic situation to be to access the high level, as an example. A magic wand. You're giving me a magic wand, right? Okay. So I'm saying, yeah. why not sport being a part of life as much as work is a part of, you know, like a non-negotiable. And when I say negotiable, it seems like we have to sell it. It would be a place where you don't. It's just part of life. One of the determinants here in Canada, I think, is you need money to make that high performance level. And we need to move away from that. And like you say, give those opportunities for people to aspire to the level they want. Mm-hmm. Now, is it like um, Aladdin's, uh, how do you call them? Three wishes are, you know, yeah, non-negotiable opportunities, but that comes with quality as well, right? If we want people to have that, it's fun. It's And that, and we use the word sport, but I would expand sport for movement. Yeah. And sport could be anything. But when we have a society healthy, I see so much value in, in movement slash sport that I wish that everyone would embrace it and we, it wouldn't be debating whether I have time or not. Yeah, it's an interesting one with COVID because I don't know what it's like in Quebec. The bike shops are sold out of bikes here. The trowels are full of families out walking together. Mm. Whereas before, you know, if you're out doing your sports schedule and you've got to get three children to four schedules each night. So one of the the benefits is that it has got people out exercising more as a family unit. Then how do we bring that back into that highly charged scheduled environment that is sport? The challenge is to bring those the magic one, whatever you want it for, you know, to change from it is to bring that into reality. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Well, you, John, when I started, I dreamed on being being on something that did not exist. I dream on being on the national team, playing at the Olympic Games. It didn't exist. Mm. Now girls are born, it exists. So I say, well, you know, that society where sport is accessible, uh, there are opportunities equal for everyone. 
if it's a dream, maybe one day it happens. Maybe something happens that it's closer to that. You know, maybe we're in that path. I don't know. Yeah, I would love to see where not so much the importance on the competition, but the like you say, the movement, the recreation. And the well-being is is valued. And uh, when I work with very young children, it's like I, I keep saying, we learn to run before we can spell our name. So, John, the only thing in these things, I go, well, I'm not I'm not expert at all those things, you know. I, I So, therefore, it's an opinion. Uh, you know, who's an expert? What is an expert? And uh, I think, you know, that's something else to consider is that, and that's the beauty of sport. I tell people all the time, everything is open to debate and negotiable. But I want it before we we leave. Uh, stepping outside of soccer mm. has opened other doors, right. and I'm not talking about opportunities, but learning. I don't know. It, like there's other things that I wasn't taking the time to read or or see or people I talk to, but because you change environment, it's like Facebook. Yeah. They feed you what you want, right? Yeah. So. Now, soccer was feeding something that soccer is there. It's all in the same bowl. Now I've changed bowls and I'm like, oh, there are other things. But I I know that because I'm an open, but I'm exposed to it. And it's like, wow. But on the other side, it's how we coach education, for example. You know, like we do it in a certain way. I was part of that. Even with the national team, I did the best I could when I was in that moment with the skill set that I had. But now being outside, John, I wish I could go and have someone listen and say, you know what, there are different ways. There are other things that kept where coaches would feel valued. You know, John, and I've got so much like people start talking about coach mental skills because I think you need not only the rest, like the whole aspect of athletes has never been talked about. Yeah. You know, I was I was reading the the questions and I was like things have changed so much they will continue to change um i love learning john yeah i love learning so when i if i'm being asked to do anything i go yeah but it's hoping that they recognize your ability to continue um to question to be that you know and and to develop to create new things to be an innovator we innovate but we innovate with what we have too right i don't know thank you so much sylvie this has been brilliant we could talk forever. I know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope this, uh, I don't know, is, is helpful to some people. I have no doubt about that, Sylvia. And again, it's great to chat to you and hear your passion for coaching and development. I certainly enjoyed the stories about the parachute. And let's hope that we can get more coaches involved in sport at all levels and to open the floodgates to make sport more accessible for recreation or competition for everyone coming out of covid We need to get our communities back together, linking and enjoying the outdoors. Thank you again, Sylvie, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon.